Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your Friday Rush Hour. Indeed, Bo Snurdly with you here on 77 WABC Worldwide. If you'd like to be part of today's program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-WABC. We will take as many calls as we can on this Friday, which means finally during the week, we get a chance to hear the sweet, intelligent, logical, rational voice of our princess of policy, Diana Mee, who will be with us shortly. Uh, Before we talk about Texas, and Texas is going to be a central area of discussion on today's program, it has to be, because the news continues to come out of Texas, some of it very, very troubling, not just the lost lives, but the police response, extremely troubling. We had started to discuss that yesterday, and one of the things I urged was caution because there were so many stories with different takes on what had happened. Well, we've heard from the police themselves, the Texas police, and what we have heard is extremely troubling. There's also other news that I want to touch on briefly because if we don't do it now, we won't get to it. The first is that the Biden administration had planned, apparently, over the course of the Memorial Day weekend to release details of what will be their student loan forgiveness, debt forgiveness program. The shootings in Texas have thrown that calendar off track, but It has been leaked or learned, either one, that White House officials are currently planning to cancel $10,000 in student debt per borrower. This comes after, this was reported in the Washington Post today, the Amazon Prime Washington Post. So each student borrower would get a $10,000 gift from the government, supposedly meant to help repay their student loans. Again, President Biden says the Amazon Prime Washington Post had hoped to make the announcement as soon as this weekend at the University of Delaware commencement. But that timing has changed after the massacre Tuesday in Texas. The White House latest plans call for limiting debt forgiveness to Americans who earned less than $150,000 in the previous year or less than $300,000 for married couples filing jointly. It's unclear whether the administration will simultaneously require interest and payments to resume at the end of August when the current pause on paying back student loans lapses. The person that the Washington Post spoke to was, of course, anonymous, not authorized to discuss the deliberations, but somehow 
manages to either float a balloon in the Washington Post, one of these arranged leaks to see what the public thinks about it, or went off the reservation and just leaked. Now, at this $10,000 threshold for each borrower, we're still talking about $230 billion being spent. Those estimates come from the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, supposedly a nonpartisan think tank. I don't believe when I read the words nonpartisan anymore that there are any nonpartisan groups, but if they are, all more power to them. Last week, last month rather, Joe Biden told the meeting of Hispanic lawmakers canceling student loan debt. He had pledged during the 2020 presidential campaign to forgive at least $10,000 in debt per borrower. So it seems that he is going to stick to that campaign promise. Canceling $10,000 in debt for everyone with federal student loans would settle the balance of roughly one-third of all borrowers, which would cut total debt by at least half for another 20% of borrowers. And my question, of course, remains what it always has been. Okay, if Joe Biden can unilaterally cut people's loans, cut off what they owe from contracted debt, meaning people entered this agreement without being coerced, they signed on the bottom line themselves, then I want this government to send me a check for some of my debt. Why should these college millennials manage to be the only ones that are allowed a gift? Because they encourage student debt. How about people that went to trade school? How is their debt going to be paid? How about the people that pay a mortgage? That's a debt. Why aren't their debts being canceled up to $10,000? How about people that have spent $10,000 on lottery tickets and haven't won them? They're in debt. Why don't we forgive their spending up to $10,000? How about people who are working hard, who never went to school, who are paying all kinds of taxes, never went to college, who instead incurred all kind of debt opening up a small business. Why don't why doesn't Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, and the rest of these Democrats feel any compassion for them and tell them, hey, here's ten thousand bucks for you too too too? Why is it that we just have to send people that go for the for the liberal education that they get in most of these universities, these indoctrination centers, why are they the only ones that are having their debt taken care of by Joe Biden and the Democrat Party? My own feeling is that every single one of you, every single person in America who is in debt to some degree should be outraged if this takes place. And you should be very vocal about your outrage.
Why in the world are we singling out college students who willingly signed on the dotted line to take these courses, and they've taken some of these courses in nonsensical? I don't want to start naming courses because I don't want to offend some people, but you know, some of you know what they are. Studies that end up making people angry that they live in America, for instance. Studies that try to rewrite American history. Courses that seek to redefine basic things that we all understand about science. Why in the world should these people, these young students in most cases, maybe some older students, why should they catch a break when nobody else can? Even with the $10,000 gift, here's another story, CNBC. As Biden administration leans toward $10,000 in student loan forgiveness, advocates push back. Advocates expressed anger, anger and disappointment on Friday in response to news that the Biden administration is leaning toward forgiving $10,000 in student loans per borrower. Some Democrats and activists have insisted that President Biden needs to cancel at least $50,000 per borrower to make a meaningful impact on the country's $1.7 trillion outstanding student loan balance. More than 40 million Americans are in debt for their education, and about 25% of those borrowers are in delinquency or default. It is an absolute insult, said Thomas Gokey co-founder of Debt Collective, a national union of debtors. Debtors in America have their own union. We're in hock, and we have unionized so that we can all be in hock together. Goki said this is less than what he promised on the campaign, and that is absolutely wrong. While running for president, Biden had vowed immediate debt cancellation of $10,000 per borrower, he hadn't said anything about limiting the relief to people who earn under a certain amount. Now the administration is looking at imposing income caps of $150,000 for individuals and three hundred grand, 300 large for married couples, as we covered earlier from the Washington Post. Goki, head of this debt union, says, complains everybody's going to have to jump through hoops to get the money. It's an absolute insult. Imagine that. American taxpayers forced without consultation to give money away to a select group of people that the Democrats want to have the money, and it's $10,000, and this guy from the debt union... A union of debtors is insulted that it's only 10 grand. The arrogance, the greed, the ingratitude of these people on the left is mind boggling.
Washington Times. I may have to hold this story till tomorrow when Princess Di also joins us. It concerns our former Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan complains that entertainers are in Congress, and these entertainers are now upending the way business is done in Washington, D.C. He was on CNBC's Squawk Box. And I am. Please join us tomorrow. We start at 7 in the morning for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, and it goes until 10 o'clock in the morning. Join us tomorrow. We'll deal with Mr. Ryan, former Speaker of the House Ryan, tomorrow. Quick headline, upstate New York teachers put on leave after offensive text. Well, what is this? Several teachers in upstate New York have been put on leave after exchanging text messages that made racist and other demeaning references to students. Comes out of Rochester, New York. Now, in Rochester, interestingly enough, a few weeks ago, there were allegations that a white teacher told his seventh grade class of mostly black students to go pick seeds out of cotton and put on handcuffs. This was a lesson on slavery. Of course, that made a lot of headlines and outrage. And now, several teachers have been put on leave over remarks that they have made about their students. The remarks, which are never, in these cases, told to us as part of the news story, the text messages are said to be racist and several other demeaning references to the students. Joe Biden, we'll get back to this later, says he applied to Naval Academy. Once again, the dates that he says this happened don't add up. If this were Donald Trump, this would be front-page news. It would be covered by all the MSM. But it's Joe Biden. He does this once every two weeks, comes up with something outlandishly wrong. And what do we get from the mainstream press? Crickets. This is Bo Snerdley's Rush Hour here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Get our app, wabcradio.com. When we come back, Princess Di, don't go away. Rush. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdley. Bo Snerdley. On 77 WABC. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snerdley. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdley. Rush, Rush. Hello, Jesus. Jesus, children. Jesus loves you. Jesus, children. Hello, children. Jesus loves you, love America. That's Stevie Wonder from the Intervisions album, which won him four Grammy Awards. Jesus, children. Let us go immediately to Princess Di. Princess Di, welcome to the show. This has been a week and a half like no other that I can remember in recent times. First the Buffalo Yeah, first the Buffalo shooting and then this business in Texas. Two eighteen year olds, thirty one lives lost. And by the way, I'm still not sure on the number of people that were injured in Texas. It was high. Yes. And now we are told that the police force there, the, the Texas police force that responded, 
has made wrong decisions, and as a result of that, people are wondering how many lives were lost because of that wrong decision. What? Where do you start, Diana? Well, I think that your initial instincts were were smart, and that let's wait and see what what the details are, because some of these early reports started coming out almost right away. They had there was video, cell phone video of parents who wanted the law enforcement on scene to react, being handcuffed and being tackled. And the narrative started uh, gaining speed that it was the police who were attacking the parents instead of acting. And that turns out to be actually largely true and admitted to by the police. I think that, you know, your summary, uh, introductory summary here has is really downplays the outrage I think we all feel. This was, it looks to me like there were preventable deaths of children in this case. The cops waited an hour before acting. They decided not to, to breach. They decided because, and they said this, they, they were getting shot at. Yeah, they didn't want to get shot. They didn't want to get shot. And, and you know, go into another line of work then, because if you cannot breach and rescue little innocent children who are calling on their phones, begging for help from the classroom as they're being killed, they're calling 911 when the cops had decided the threat was no longer the threat and that things were not in, in any danger, that the children were not in danger. And the children were at that time calling 911 themselves and begging for rescue over the course of an hour. And they reported early that there were some children killed, but not 18. And they were all killed in one classroom. So this, in my opinion, just assessing from the facts we know and admitted to that some of these deaths were preventable and that the parents were correct in begging the cops to act. And it's inexplicable. What, what on earth would be the innocent explanation for the cops refusing to act? They're they gave it to you. They did not want to. They gave it to you. They didn't want to get shot. And they didn't have tactical gear. Were the two well, reasons that they said? Well, they They said they were waiting for a key. They had to wait for the janitor to get the key. Now that's just. Bu- I know that that's what is being said, but let's really think about that for a moment. First, let me before I I move into that part because it ties directly into the response from the left on MSNBC on the View. What they're saying is one of the discussions on MSNBC with that person, Chris Hayes, and and the so-called documentary director, Michael Moore, they're asking if anyone on the network or any other network would say it's time to repeal the Second Amendment. Of course. Oh, for goodness sakes. Of course. Now, Whoopi Goldberg on The View. Americans need to give up. Okay, you can have your gun, but you can't have your AR-15. If you're going to get all in my business, can and cannot do, neither can you. They're going to come for those AR-15s. And you'd be you better be ready to give them up because this is America. Really? And she threatened physical violence on Republicans if they continue to offer thought and prayers. I want to punch somebody. The next one I see offer thoughts and prayers. I'm going to punch somebody. This is Whoopi Goldberg. And that's a line that other Democrats have said, F your prayers, 
F your thoughts, et cetera, et cetera. One of these Democrats went off on Ted Cruz like that. Uh, one of the other responses that we have gotten from the left is to compare what happened in the United States to what happens in other countries. There is a story out of ABC News today. The U.K. has a problem with radicalization, but not shootings. The difference lies in gun access. And the gist of the story, Diana, is that, oh, yeah, you know, men are the problem everywhere. Mm. But those bastard men over in England, at least they don't have guns. They're still radical male bastards, but they don't have guns, not like the people in the United States. And what they keep forgetting in this news article is every once in a while, we will turn on the TV and see something going on in England where 15, 16 people are being stabbed to death on a bridge with somebody with a knife. So it's not or that being the, run over by a car. Right. Or being run over by cars. It's not as if they don't have attacks here, which is what this article seems to insinuate. Oh, they don't have attacks over there. It's just that the weapons are different. That's all. Well, also, you know, immediately after one of these all too common events, everyone goes to their quarters and has the same arguments over and over and over again. A lot of them are statistics, and a lot of the statistics are lies. We have also statistics from John Lott, who is an excellent researcher, and he concluded that out of 1,400, almost 1,500 mass public shootings worldwide, fewer than 3% were in the U.S. So there are many, many, many violent uh, events worldwide, but they always trot out this lie that we are somehow in America because of our freedoms we are to blame for the sinful nature of mankind, which is not true. And I just wanted to mention one thing that I think, you know, you mentioned that we need to improve background checks. I think you're correct because they're not picking up red flag events of people who have no right to a weapon because they have evidenced in their lives and their behavior that they are violent. And so that I agree with. The other thing we might consider is the exact same physical security that we give Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Kevin McCarthy, and Mitch McConnell, because they do not pass laws for themselves. They have security for themselves. The other kind of security we could supply to schools would be the security given to school boards where they have angry parents at meeting. All of a sudden, there seems to be a live cop presence. So we know from when the left is threatened, they have armed security to protect them. And that needs to be also conveyed to protect children. And the other thing that I think that is never mentioned is we need to, as a society, remind each other how to raise children who have a conscience. And that is an internal thing that every human being is born with the capacity to have a conscience. It has to be activated by society. But when children are very young, instead of focusing on what pronouns to use and gender issues, talk to them about right and wrong. There isn't a child alive who does not know what it feels like to have that little voice tell them in their own hearts this is wrong. They all know it. 
They all experience it. And unfortunately, with our schools and our society now, we teach them to override that voice and ignore that voice. And I tell you, I swerved into this knowledge when I was a a young mother and my child at age 10 was giving me that little smile of disobedience. And I looked at her and I said to her, I said, you listen to that little voice. It is the most precious thing you have. And do you know what happens if you don't listen to that voice? It goes away. And then you become a bad guy. And the fear on her face that she had something precious to protect herself, which was her conscience, and that child became a different child from that day on. And I want to read a quote from George Washington. Labor to keep alive in your breast that little spark of celestial fire called conscience. And that is what we need to bring back in teaching young children, because a child with a conscience is not going to go and hurt other children ever as they grow up. And that is the thing that's never talked about. It's all external things. It's all laws. It's all security. And it's never how to teach children to do right. And so I just wanted to get that into the discussion. Thank you. And I will end with this, Princess Diana. We'll resume our conversation tomorrow. Princess Diana, when the law is written in your heart, you don't need any other law to guide you through life. Exactly. <clears throat> Bo Snurley's Rush Hour here. Thank you, Princess Diana. We'll speak with you tomorrow. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. We are coming back. Your calls will be part of the program right after this. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on 77 WABC. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. And you never have to miss a minute of the Rush Hour, even if you are not here when we're here. How is that? Well, you can always, of course, listen live worldwide on the 77 WABC app or online at WABCradio.com. But you can also download the podcast of this show. You can find all of the podcasts, not just this show, everybody's show on WABC. Wow, Summer Breeze. You know, Monday is Memorial Day. Of course, many of us look to that as the unofficial start of the summer season. But Memorial Day is so much more than that. And we will talk on Memorial Day with a good friend of mine, historian, uh, that was will take us through what Memorial Day is really all about. Just as a reminder, as well as some of the other news stories that we should be concerned about. On Monday, tomorrow, of course, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza starts at 7 a.m. Set your alarm clock. Have your first cup of coffee with us tomorrow morning. The mother of the Texas school shooter is tearfully begging or has tearfully begged for people not to judge her son. She says that she wants the innocent children who died to forgive her. And this remark, which I kind of shook my head at, to be honest with you, I know He had his reasons for doing what he did. 
Well, I don't know what reason there could possibly be for doing what he did other than evil, frankly. And if that is a judgment, then yes, it's a judgment. But, you know, it is, I don't know whether this kid was just mentally ill or whatever. She did say that a lot of the news reports that she and her son had a tumultuous, bad, a tumultuous, bad relationship were wrong. Now, this is con- going to continue to bother me. I know you're waiting on hold. I'm going to get to you real soon. But I got to just tell you, this continues to bother me. There are reports in the news today that the door to the school had been propped open and left open, propped by a teacher of the school. There were also reports that this gunman spent 18 minutes outside the school before he even entered the school shooting off rounds and then found a door that had been propped open, not just unlocked, but propped open. Again, we get so many conflicting news reports from so many different sources. But if these two things are true, that it was a door that was propped open, and that this gunman spent 18 minutes, almost 20 minutes, outside the school firing. Well, here's another report. I'm just seeing another one. This one's from the Wall Street Journal. Uvalde shooter fired shots outside school for 12 minutes before entering. The subheadline: local residents express anger and frustration as police detail a new timeline of the mass shooting. Lingered outside for 12 minutes, firing shots. No one could say why he was not stopped from entering the school during that time. Most of the shots he fired came during the first several minutes after he entered the school. And again, you see in this report, from the Wall Street Journal that police were doing nothing according to one resident. She drove 40 miles to Robb Elementary where her children are in second and third grade. They were just standing outside the fence. They weren't going in there or running anywhere. Now, the Mr. Escalon, who was the, a policeman that was interviewed here, said that officers inside the school were evacuating students and school employees from the premises as well as calling for backup, there was a lot going on. There was an incorrect, apparently, account that the gunman had an interaction with a law, with a, with a, and this was with the private school uh, uh, law enforcement hired privately, but that report was inaccurate. You know, here's a here's the thing. You know, Republicans are being taken to task for quote unquote wanting to harden schools, meaning they want security of schools. There is a story, I believe it's in BizPack Review or American Wire today, about how the Israelis do it, which is doing layers of security and extensive profiling on people that might might cause harm in schools. And perhaps it's time to look at some of those methods. In fact, there is 
a, a bill that was brought up by Republicans that New York Senator Chuck Schumer blocked. And it is a school safety bill named after two victims of the Stoneman Douglas High School massacre that would set up a clearinghouse, like an audit board, so school safety procedures could be gauged on their effectiveness, and that information could be dispersed throughout schools all over the country. Schumer blocked that bill. Two of the the senators involved when it, Florida's Rick Scott and Wisconsin's Ron Johnson, both called on Schumer to at least allow a vote. Now, you keep hearing that Democrats... Democrats saying Republicans block this, block that. They don't want any changes. Well, look who it is that's blocking measures. It's Democrats. We are going to have sometime next week, I believe next Tuesday. You know, Mark Stein is with us every Tuesday. But I also believe next Tuesday we're going to have Senator Ron Johnson on the show. Uh, We're communicating with his office and trying to nail down a time. Because we want to know more about this specifically. What is this, and why are Democrats Democrats blocking it? But if you have teachers opening up the doors and propping open the doors, and then nobody, there was nobody guarding these doors in these schools, well, then I just say, what the hell? How can you talk about a fixing blame anywhere when entry points to these schools are not being guarded these are children's lives that are at stake now in american schools sadly that is the truth but sadly we have known this since columbine and if you're not going to take this seriously on any school in this country every school in this country every single one even if you live in quote unquote neighborhoods Every single school needs to take this seriously. Let us start on the phones with Gregory Yonkers, New York. Gregory, how are you this afternoon? You're on Bo Snerdley's Rush Hour. I'm fine, Bo. I just wanted to say, those cowardly police. Hmm. The cowardly they police. They do their job. Yes, they were cowards. I have several people in my family in law enforcement, from municipal to state to federal. And I'm a construction worker. And everyone that I talked to said those police were cowards. Okay, Gregory, I'm a, and, I, and I know that that is the gut reaction. I'm still waiting. Why am I waiting now in spite of the news that came out? Because police, like members of the military, have a chain of command. And if the chain of command is telling you don't do something, then I guess the natural response is you don't do it. I don't know. But we do know this. One Border Patrol agent whose wife had called him and said, there is, go- there is a shooting going on in the school. Please come here. And this, this, this person had their child. Their child was enrolled in this school. He went in there without a vest and without waiting. Rosemary from Westchester County, very quickly. Rosemary, what is the point you'd like to make? I just want to make about the mom. I haven't been, I, this is the first time I heard it. I just, I'm a new listener and I like um, how you talk. 
um, she she apparently didn't um, confide in anyone. That should be for her preacher if she has a religion. And it could, I can only imagine how that, what she said, compounded the horror of the parents and spouses of the children who were there. It was just horrible that she would say that. It's just made everything worse. And can I say one more thing real fast? Yes, you may, Rosemary. Thank you. Um, the killer, the assailant, they call him, must have did his homework, maybe, who knows, and went to the varying schools near where he lived and saw where everything was lax, maybe, where they didn't take precautions, where there were no safety measures. I don't know, but that's what I'm thinking. Thank you. Thank you, Rosemary. Look, for him to stand outside of a school and fire off shots for 12 minutes and there's no response, Folks, something's wrong. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snirly. This is Bo Snirly's Rush Hour. Get that WABC app. Keep us with you all the time. Remember, Catch at Night comes up after this program, and we're back in the morning at 7 a.m. for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Don't you dare go away. Coming right back. Rush. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snirly. Bo Snirly. On 77 WABC. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdley. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snerdley. Rush, Rush. Now, here's Bo Snerdley. Uh. Commodores, bring us back on WABC. Talk Radio 77 uh. 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 on your Friday afternoon Rush Hour. Friday, of course. Leading into Memorial Day. Joe Biden, according to Newsweek, and this is one of the more obnoxious news stories that you'll get. Joe Biden has refused to answer actions of the Texas police while Fox News does. So this is, I mean, do you understand the stupidity that has to go into something like this? Joe Biden refuses to question actions of Texas police while Fox News does. President Joe Biden has so far refused to publicly question the police response to the deadly shooting in Uvalde, Texas, as questions have been raised about how law enforcement handled the incident. Well, you're just raising questions about it. Meanwhile, those remarks stand in stark contrast with highly critical comments from Fox News personalities Tucker Carlson and Jesse Waters. And blah, blah, blah. This was written by um, Daragab Roach. I believe that's how you pronounce the first name. I'm unfamiliar with it. Not trying to. If it's not, I'm not trying to make fun of the name. Daragab Roach. Roach. There's a story in the New York Times about roaches. Cockroach reproduction has taken a strange turn. Now, don't have time to do this one today. Again, Saturday morning, radio extravaganza, I'll come back to both of these, both of the roach stories. GoFundMe reaches $2 million for the four orphans of the teacher killed in the Texas shootout and her husband, who died of a heart attack, died of a broken heart. People have just generously given to those orphans, and you heard about this, many of you did. The, the man died of a heart attack. His friends are saying he was just grief-stricken, died of a broken heart after his wife was one of the ones killed. 
There's also a chilling story today about an 11-year-old girl who survived. And you know how she survived? She smeared blood. She smeared blood all over herself and played dead. And that's how she survived. Can you imagine an 11-year-old girl with that kind of presence of mind? But can you also imagine the trauma that is living inside this young lady right now? Let us go to Kathy, Bergen County, New Jersey. Kathy, welcome. We're on WABC. It's a rush hour with Bo Snerdy. How are you? Hi, James. You know, the day after the horrific shooting, you mentioned briefly a new Joe Biden policy in that he's kind of threatening schools that if they don't let boys into the little girls' bathrooms, they don't get their lunch, school lunch funding. That's right. Can you elaborate? Please elaborate because that is – I will pull that story out so we can deal with it tomorrow. Thank you for remembering. Yes, I did report this about the priorities of the Biden administration. Now the Biden administration is is blackmailing, extorting schools that if they do not go along with new regulations that demand that boys, these transgender young boys, can use girls' bathrooms, they are going to be denied their federal lunch money. That is not made up. That is the policy that Joe Biden and his Department of Education are putting in place. That story broke the same day this shooting did. These are the priorities of the Biden administration. And yes, tomorrow morning I will have that story out, fresh, ready. We'll deal with it again. Thank you for remembering that, Kathy. Let us go to Joe in Long Island. Joe, welcome WABC Talk Radio 77. This is Boston Early's Rush Hour. What's up? Good afternoon. I just wanted to comment. It's, uh, what, I'm curious why John Durham didn't ask for a change of venue for the Sussman trial, if you can comment on that, because as far as I'm concerned, that trial is rigged. You've got a judge appointed by Obama who's married to a lawyer representing none other than Lisa Page. Plus, you got a bunch of Clinton donors and supporters on the jury. And I'm sure you well know that Washington, D.C. is a one-party town, and it's not the Republicans. So why didn't John Durham try to get a change of venue? I'm just I have kidding. no idea. And, you know, with the facts that you've laid out, I have no idea why he didn't and why he wouldn't. I do know this. Even in a one-party town, even with judges who are on the other political side of the aisle, Sometimes there is enough evidence of guilt that it is very difficult to to steer a verdict in another direction. And it seems to me, if you've been following the case, that at least Durham has a chance, a chance of having a guilty verdict here based on the evidence. This evidence is not even close. It, this evidence paints a picture of guilt through and through. Let us see, though, if you're right whether a verdict comes in that we're going to be unhappy with or whether justice will prevail. I think we should know that within the next week or two, certainly. Boris in New York, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. Never miss a minute of the Rush Hour. You can listen live worldwide on the 77 WABC app or online at wabcradio.com. Boris, thank you for listening. What's on your mind this afternoon? My, my question is one of the most interesting persons spoke before its mother of the shooter. And she said that don't judge my son. It means that we don't know something which made him do that. Uh, but 
she didn't comment about her mother or mother of her husband because she first shot his grandmother in her face. Uh, how she is judging that? Uh, I mean, she's a very interesting person to listen to. And uh, I don't know but, whether she's interesting, Boris, or whether she's just so ridden with guilt and shame and horror that she doesn't even quite know what she's saying. And, and I, I think we can't know what's in her mind. I mean, I don't think any of us alive listening to the show or otherwise would, would ever want to be in the position that she's in where your son did something so horrifically evil, not only to your own family, but to the families of innocent children. And how, does, how would anybody live with that going on in their mind and in their heart and in their soul? That that has that has any any sense of compassion. So Boris, I know that statement she made. I was stunned by it, but at the same time, I think this woman is probably beside herself in ways that most of us could never ever imagine. Elliot, New Jersey, and thank you for calling, Boris. Elliot, New Jersey, WABC Talk Radio seventy seven. You're on the rush hour. Time is dwindling, my friend. What is your point? Good to talk to you again, James. First of all, for uh, background checks on mental health, HIPAA laws prevent mental health professionals from reporting patient information. There's an exception when they expect when they suspect child abuse, they become mandatory reporters. That's where we have to start in changing the law. We have to make a mental health professionals immune from HIPAA law prosecution and allow them to report mental health contacts to a national database for background checks for firearms. Second thing I want to mention is thank God the squad and the other crazy Democrats did not do away with the Border Patrol or we would not have had that SWAT team get down there to take that shooter out. Have a great weekend, James. Thank you. Thank you, you, Elliot. God bless you, my friend. John in Queens, you may have the last word today. Quickly to your point, please. Good afternoon. Great to speak with you. I would like to say uh, I agree with the previous caller. Background checks do not do anything if you have a past mental issue, New York State has a small exception where they will hold you for five years, preventing you from having a firearm if you're involuntarily committed. Other than that, a voluntary committal can go out and buy a gun the next day. Well, let me just say this, John, and I'm hearing from you. I'm hearing from other callers, and I raised this point the other day. The background checks have failed. If there is an area that perhaps Democrats and Republicans can agree upon, it is that we need safe, sure, correct, accurate background checks on people purchasing weapons. And I don't, to the extent that they, that the law, whoever did the background checks on this guy, you failed. He should have never had these weapons. This is James Golden, a.k.a. Bo We're back here, 7 in the morning, two hours from now, actually. Remember, Catch at Night, up next, remember... That WABC app, the 77 WABC app, or go to WABCradio.com, get the podcast. We'll see you in the morning. May God bless each and every one of you and protect you and your families. See you tomorrow morning. Bye.